way too many bigots here that are not consuming enough plant-based kibble. Look at this. Look at this. What a what a mess. Look at, I even have a mod today in YouTube. What's up, Jethro? What's going on, Jethro? Look at the Rockfin crew checking in. Rockfin crew, of course, growing every time. Yeah, Rockfin's almost, almost up there in numbers with YouTube, right? Where we are freaking insanely throttled, right? But the Rockfin bigots, you guys, you guys are awesome. Look at that. Staying strong over there on Rockfin. Staying strong over there on YouTube too. You guys, make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, pull up a tab on Rockfin. Check out the quality. Right, check out the quality on Rockfin. Rockfin's quality often better than YouTube's. Right? And you know what's cool about Rockfin? No censorship. So the second half of this is going to be just on Rockfin. Links in the chat pinned up at the top and it's in the description as well. But um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we can't go everywhere we want to go. We, we, got a long, we got a long journey tonight ahead of us. <laughs> and that journey cannot be completed on YouTube because of the way YouTube works. Okay. All right, guys. It's been, uh, I got to say, it's, it's been like a long few days. It's been a long few days. It has been, it's been a long year and a half, hasn't it? It's been a long year and a half. Um, of course, I'm not surprised with how any of this is playing out uh, on the global scale right now. It's just, um, it's, uh, it gets difficult, doesn't it? It gets difficult and it's, the ante's being upped. We'll just, we'll just say that. We're going to get into that in the second half. First half, we're going to talk about and, well, something else that is it is important. That's incredibly important. That's where our food comes from, our sources of nutrition. No, what we put into our body greatly affects our general health, both physical and mental, right? as we're going to see today, as we're going to see today. So um, I've got my, my sidekick, my wife here. Lesbian wife. Capital L. With capital L, my lesbian wife. I, of course, in order to maintain my status as not banned from YouTube, am continuing continuing my journey as a trans woman and a trans vegan. So, you know, a uh, uh, omnivore slash mostly carnivore for the health benefits. Vegan, trans vegan, for the social justice bonus points and for the social credit points, right? Gotta get those social credits. Um, <clears throat> so we got CNN, checking in with CNN today. We got the, the gaslighting continues, right? We talked, remember back in like March of last year when I pointed out that every single thing that's being brought in to save us and save our health, right? To save our health in this in this terrible, awful, awful crisis that just requires intense government management of every aspect of our life. It's weird how it's the same exact structure that we were being told was required to stop the previous uh, most dire, terrible crisis, and that's the climate crisis, right? Now, um, the switcheroo is coming, guys. The switcheroo is coming. I, I got this. Uh, it's way back on my Instagram. Way back in the day on my Instagram. Where'd that meme go? There's a meme here on Instagram somewhere. Of got Indiana Jones swapping out the. <laughs> here you go. There it is. Can you get? Yeah, you guys can see that. The switcheroo is coming. The, the temple of doom. 
switcheroo. That's from Temple of Doom, right? It's got to be Temple of Doom. Or is that from Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anyways, the switcheroo is coming. CNN is doing its job. And yeah, they're pushing that kibble. Just like our friends, the vegan activists who we saw in that intro, which, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's ridiculous. It's funny. These people act absurd. But it's also, it's, it's really like sad. It's sad seeing these people, especially these activists in the end, you know, James Aspie, oh, it's just like the selling out, bro. It's like KFC is going vegan. And it's just like, oh, Colonel Sanders used to like, he was like holocausting all these chickens or whatever. But it's like totally cool now, dude, because it's like, they're going towards like plant-based chicken nugs, dude. It's like plant-based chicken nugs. You can like smoke a nug at your bong and then like go, go surfing and then you can go get some chicken nugs, dude. Um, and it's like there's a Starbucks and KFC and like, let's go get like a McVegan burger. It's like, a, it's like so awesome, dude. And people, people just think in like corporate slogans now. I mean, that's the, the extent to which um, the social engineering has overtaken people's not only like their rational mind but just their thought processes in general corporate slogans are the like the basis of so many people's thought right so um you know there's this uh interesting segment here that i just i've got way too many i have way too many uh sticky notes in this book this is the scientific outlook by bertrand russell and uh, this book, it's anything but scientific, this book, and this worldview that Bertrand Russell is discussing in this book. Um, this, this book could, could totally be retitled the, the Genocidal Maniac Utilitarian Psychopath's Outlook. Um, <laughs> but in this book, of course, where he discusses um, science, scientism, as this overriding, overarching worldview through which if you look at the whole world, you could just rearrange the whole world, right? Science becomes this, this, this lens, this deity through which man can himself achieve this like apotheosis, right? This, uh, the, the, this man being deified, deifying himself through his own will, right? This like Luciferian uh, Promethean endeavor of stealing the fire from the gods, of usurping the natural order of things uh, and, and, and becoming a god. This book, The Scientific Outlook, of course, he talks about not only the way that the scientific outlook could be used through radio, television, and print, right? And this is even before the internet, right? This is 1920-something that this book came out, right? Before World War II, and he considers all these different little cultures like the Bolshevik Revolution, right? He considers communism and the Bolsheviks as this like scientific proving ground to see what works in a utilitarian sense as far as behavior modification at a vast scale um, over human populations order, in order to control them essentially like cattle. So he says, and here's a quote from him, another direction in which biological technique is likely to have great importance before long is scientific breeding. Artificial selection has been applied by man for ages to animals and plants under domestication and has yielded remarkable results. And then he goes on to talk about, uh, by means of Mendelian principles of heredity, there is hope of breeding new varieties of animals and plants in a less haphazard manner. So far, however, what has been attempted in this way gives scarcely more than a suggestion of what may be rendered possible 
by new discoveries in regards to heredity and embryology, the importance of animals and human life has greatly diminished since the Industrial Revolution. So he, he, gets, he hints at using breeding, and of course eugenics is discussed in this book. You know, it's always this undertone of eugenics, always this undertone of breeding humans. Right, breeding like a slave race, master race, dual tier society where the elite will have meat and where the youngins, the not the youngins, the uh, the, the, the underlings, right, the proles will, will not. So here he says, um, you know, animals are still used for food and clothing, but in regard, this is a quote, but in regard to these, also they will soon be largely superseded. The silkworm is threatened by artificial silk, real leather. Will soon be regarded as a luxury for the rich. You know, of course, Bertrand Russell he would have, he would have spoken like this. You know, Bertrand Russell, you imagine that Bertrand Russell's voice would sound like, uh, like almost like, um, like Prince, Prince Philip, if I remember correctly. You know, a little bit like Prince Philip, but a bit, bit more high, more high pitched, I believe, is the Bertrand Russell. He doesn't have the long drawl of yes, we must breed the population and make them a, a nation of, of, of industrious retards that we can that we can simply harvest for their genetic material and uh, and use for labor until we have enough machines to get rid of them. Uh, and but Bertrand Russell, I believe, he was he spoke with a little bit more higher pitch, a little bit more effeminate and quick. He says, "Real leather will soon be regarded as a luxury for the rich. As yet, wool is still." used to make warm clothes, but it is likely that synthetic products will develop, uh, will replace them before long. As for meat, it is not a necessary article of diet, and if population continues to increase, we may assume that synthetic beefsteaks will be served everywhere, except at the tables of millionaires. The cod may survive somewhat longer than the ox, for the sake of the vitamins in cod liver oil, but already vitamin D can be generated in the human body by means of artificial sunlight. <laughs> so it's just this this mad controlling thought about you know feeding man instead of real foods, factory-made foods. And he even goes on, he says, animals have been good friends of man throughout his adolescence, right? So this idea that man is evolving out of his adolescence to become an adult, right? You needed those through your adolescence, but you don't need them anymore. Quote, after being dangerous enemies in his infancy, but now that man is becoming adult, the, main, uh, the part played by animals in relation to man is ending, and they're mainly confined to zoos. So this idea of getting rid of your animals, taking your animals away, and of course also using radio and mass communications in order to educate man at a vast scale. Right, this is why you see these vegan activists like in that intro video. They basically just speak in like corporate slogans. Like, oh, just gotta go to like Starbucks. I get like a McVegan. It's like this. They've got people to the point through radio, television, print media, but now internet that the propaganda is just, it's so pervasive. So he says, uh, the great majority of young people in almost all civilized countries derive their ideas of love, of honor, of the way to make money, and of the importance of good clothes from the evenings spent in seeing what Hollywood thinks good for them. <laughs> Another quote, the producers of Hollywood are the high priests of a new religion. Let us be thankful for the lofty purity of their sentiments. I mean, this is, not, this is actually from Bertrand Russell's book, The Scientific Outlook. <laughs> this is not just me making up that quote. I mean, it sounds like something you'd make up to make fun of people that worship Hollywood. But that's what it is. You got all these celebrities saying we got to go be vegan. All these celebrities are saying we got to give up our animals. Oh, it's so mean to have animals. 
It's so bad. Animals are mean. You're just you're killing those poor innocent beings. They're just like you and I. But um, this is uh, this is you're, you're being social engineered. My point. We're being engineered and thinking that we have to do this. This is good for the planet. It's good for everybody. And, um, and and CNN is bringing us along. So here's a CNN tweet from CNN. It says, what impact do you think the climate crisis has on the future of your food? CNN's Bill Weir journeys through the world of food innovation to find out. Join us tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern for a CNN special report. Eating planet Earth. Eating planet Earth. So, oh, we got to save the planet. You're, you're literally eating the Earth by eating animals. Right, your livestock are bad for the planet. Everything you need to stay alive is bad. You got to cover your face with a diaper, stay locked in your homes, and eat the eat the plant based kibble. This is the message. All right, this has been the consistent message for a long time now. Um, all right, here we go. We got we got some messages from the bigots over on Rockfin though. More importantly, your guys' messages. John McGann tipping ten bucks. Thank you, John. There you go. The uh, the Rockfin bigots are showing how it's done. Tipping the stream, you guys, if you're watching right now and you enjoy the stream, please feel free to tip. Feel free to tip if you're watching on Rockfin. If you're watching on YouTube, feel obliged to tip. How about that? <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, feel obliged to share the video. Hit the thumbs up. Right? We, we rely on you guys to share the videos. We don't get the Bill Gates sponsor money. The George Soros uh, trust fund has dried up for us. And we... Uh, we are running off of your generosity and of your enjoyment and your tips. Uh, so thank you guys for the tips on Rockfin. And thank you guys on YouTube who wish to tip via the Streamlabs. You guys that got that Streamlabs notification on. So if you got questions or comments, feel free to send them via Streamlabs if you're on YouTube. Uh, John McGann says, uh, love these intros. Tip of 10 bucks on Rockfin. Thank you, John. Look at this. We got we got the top bigot, number one bigot, AR, tipping 50 bucks. Says starting strong. Thanks for providing the knowledge so that we can make the right decisions to better ourselves, our families, and our communities. Thanks, Tristan. Dang, AR. AR, is, you, got, you got all the, you the big old fat tip, and then also you've been paying attention to what we're doing. So I appreciate that, all right? Because that's what this is about, all right? We should be able to make informed decisions on what we put in our body or what we don't put in our body. Unfortunately, those decisions are being eroded quickly. And now we used to be able to do these ideas in liberal democracy which, you know, very critical of liberal democracy, obviously. This is what got us here. Remember the way they sold you on this was, oh, you're going to be able to, you should be able to control what you do with yourself, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, of course, this is all being subverted. Now we're being told, well, yes, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but, you know, it's all about the, the greater, the greater good of all of the culture and all of society. So if society determines that it's, that you're a threat if you don't, hey, maybe stop eating meat, right? Or if you refuse to put certain things in your arm via a hypodermic needle. If, you, if, you, if the society says that that makes you a threat, then the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of them, of the, of the rest of the culture, that is, that, is, uh, that is being threatened by you, right? So this, these ideas have been subverted. But we do have a choice. We have a choice of what we do. We have a choice of what we say yes or no to. We have a choice of what we accept. What we accept externally, what we accept in our families, what we accept in our homes, what we accept in our communities. All right? So that's why we're out here doing what we do, right? teaching people how to actually 
eat a healthy diet, which of course, what we're told is the complete opposite. What we're told is avoid the foods that you need to stay alive. Avoid animal foods, the only foods that you can produce on your own land, in your own communities. Feed yourself and be self-sustained off of your own land with, which are animal foods. Avoid those and instead eat factory foods, right? Which is exactly what the Rockefeller Foundation was saying that we need to transition people into in the 1970s. <laughs> well, you got to eat foods that come from factories. You can't be eating real animal foods anymore. Those are bad for you now. So first they try to tell you, oh, it's like a, it's for the animals, it's for the good of the animals. Now they're telling you it's for the good of the planet. And so let's see what CNN has to say. This is the most destructive most destructive industry on earth. Do you think cattle production contributes? So I gotta turn this up a little bit. Tributes to. This is the most destructive industry on earth. Do you think cattle? All right. So this is uh, they're interviewing um, Pat Brown of Impossible Inc. Right now, Pat Brown's father <laughs> was a CIA agent. Right, this is like open information. Pat Brown is from a long line of CIA folks. <laughs> well, I mean, his father was CIA, I guess. Was the OSS was started in World War II. And um, so, yeah, we got Pat Brown here. Just so you guys know, I'm not lying. Patrick O'Reilly Brown. Whose father... go pat brown now this guy uh helped to start a medical journal as well plos right heavily involved in this medical journal now this is an article published in plos and let me just find this little oops excuse me find this little blurb in here about his family's i mean look just because somebody's dad's in the cia yeah it obviously doesn't mean anything right but it just shows you that there is this kind of interplay between the corporate world, right, corporate America, big banks, right, NGOs, and of course intelligence agencies, right? So he grew up in a Washington, D.C. suburb. Suburb. He later discovered that his father did not work for the state or defense departments, as he had been led to believe, but rather the CIA, where he was an analyst. Well, he was just an analyst. So he then went on to work at Stanford and start this medical journal, PLOS. Scientific journal that, of course, publishes all sorts of mad, uh, all sorts of um, propaganda for his cause, you know, demonizing animal foods, promoting plant foods, telling you that animal foods are bad, cholesterol is bad, right, which is the building block of, your, of testosterone. It's the building block of progesterone. Your sex steroid hormones require cholesterol, and they tell you reduce your cholesterol. Guess what happens when you reduce cholesterol? You also reduce your bone mineral density. You make yourself more likely to die from infectious disease, including cancer. More likely to die from all causes. There are people with low cholesterol have higher all-cause mortality. And they tell you, no, cholesterol makes your, uh, it, it, it clogs your arteries. Right? Even though people with low cholesterol have just as high rates of heart attacks. Right? Heart disease is not. The number one killer of vegans is heart attacks, heart disease. But guess what? People who do have heart attacks, which people with low cholesterol have just as many heart attacks as people with high cholesterol, the people that survive the most, most likely to survive that cardiac event, are those with high cholesterol. How crazy is this? But they tell you, no, don't eat those foods. Those are bad. 
right? That's this guy's background. His dad was CIA. He's a Stanford guy. Right? These are well-connected people is what I'm getting at. Do you think cattle production contributes to man-made climate change? Join me on a journey to see how innovation could bring balance to our planet and our diets. It's 1% of the carbon footprint of a hamburger. That's correct. So this is the seaweed feeder from this fridge we can in the world. What will be the impact on the... So yeah, the carbon... Look at this. You need like a huge deep freezer. You gotta have like bovine cow serum that you cultivate in a lab. This is the seaweed feeder from this fridge we can in the world. What Science! On the future of your food. Does it mean that we all have to become vegetarian? No. We just have to respond to it. CNN special report. Eating planet Earth tonight at 9. Whoa, CNN. CNN's on it, guys. Don't worry. CNN's on it. Right, you've also got... A proposed IPCC for food, right? This idea of, remember the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, this corrupt UN organization that was shown to be falsifying data and fraudulently defrauding the world from the so-called Climate Gate scandal back in, was it 2009 or 2008? Of course, that gets swept under the rug, right? So they say, this group says, IPES, the International Panel of Experts on Sustainable Food Systems, is pushing, of course, this is on behalf of people like Pat Brown, Impossible Foods, Beyond Meat, right? Bill Gates, biggest investor in a lot of these companies. We need, quote, an IPCC for food is likely to be proposed as an outcome of the UNFSS. That's the UN Food Systems Summit. Even though no compelling arguments have been advanced as to why the HLPE and CFS need to be replaced while the proposed structure and functions of the new body raise major concerns. So you've got an actual push for an IPCC for food. And there are groups that are pushing back against this. Of course, they get demonized as climate deniers, science deniers, the UN Food Systems Summit, promoting total corporate control of food systems, right? Global corporate control of food systems, plant-based dietary guidelines. But it's a crisis, guys. We need this. We need this. In this edition of Interview, we're joined by Jim Mellon, businessman, philanthropist, and I guess world... Ed oh, she didn't say billionaire. He's a billionaire. Jim Mellon, of course, he's a philanthropist, right? So you know you can trust him. I, I, I know that if... If Wikipedia says you're a philanthropist, that you're a good person. That you only care about the greater good. That you only care about what's good for the world. You only care about the planet. So just like Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Savile, this guy is a philanthropist. Educator. Is that fair to say? Well, I think world educator is a bit grandiose. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but philanthropist, yes. <laughs> Certainly a business guy, and uh, occasionally I give money away. So I suppose... You know, this, this guy is like the spitting image of health, right? <laughs> this guy, this is the guy that wants to tell us how we should eat. Billionaire Jim Mellon. The second one is true as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to have you here in Dubai. And Very happy to be here. You're talking... You, don't like... you like how all these, all these billionaires, like even, even millionaires, right? You know, like Conor McGregor. Goes out there and advocates for lockdowns. We need a total lockdown. <laughs> I, I can't do the McGregor voice. Um, McGregor goes and advocates for total lockdowns in Ireland and then goes and spends the last year in Dubai with his family. 
Right? These people, they advocate for shutting down and destroying the economy where they live. And then they skip out and they kick it in Dubai. But at the moment about the agrarian revolution that is coming. And obviously you've got a book out at the moment, Moon's Again, Law. Agrarian revolution. They're going to re... They're gonna, I didn't know they're doing this, but it seems they're trying to rebrand what Klaus Schwab was calling the fourth industrial revolution. Right, which is a fusion, as Klaus Schwab says, it's a quote fusion of the biological, uh, was it biological, physical, and digital realms, <laughs> right? And the, this this technocracy being everywhere ubiquitously, in, including inside our body, right? Fourth industrial revolution, meaning people grown in labs, food grown in labs. Right? And here they are talking about cell-based foods, right? Well, the fourth industrial revolution is about putting you in a cell-based culture, right? a cell-based life, where you live in a cell and are fed cell-based, uh, lab-grown frankenfood. And you yourself become somewhat of a lab-grown, cell-based frankenfood modified by the elite through food, through culture, and through your biology. Can you tell me a bit about the background to that? Well, we're going through, I mean, you and I, Jane, would just had our masks on, uh, which is uh, an unfortunate side effect of the pandemic. And where did that pandemic come from? Probably from food malpractice. <sighs> where will the next pandemic come from? Probably food malpracticed in the Far East. Yeah, so the pandemics, those, they happen just because people are eating animals. That's what it is. 80% of antibiotics go into farmed animals. Again, this is such a, this is such a, that stat is complete nonsense. All right, when you look at the farmed animal, the mass, the biomass, the raw weight of the amount of farmed animals that are on the planet, <laughs> the amount of farmed animals that are on Earth, is much higher than 80% of the, uh, is, is significantly higher than the human population, right? So to say, oh, they use 80% of the antibiotics, they talk about, first of all, they're talking about like the weight of antibiotics, but it's very, very misleading. There are far more animals, farmed animals by weight than there are human beings. So it's not even comparable. We're talking about like per capita, Per animal, it's incredibly low. So again, oh, the antibiotics, the antibiotics, the, the antibiotics that the, we're giving the animals are causing diseases. That's also BS, right? They're not causing MRSA. You're not, getting, you're not causing MRSA by treating an animal who has an infection with an antibiotic. Now, there, is, there are certain practices you know, in factory farms, so-called factory farms, but how do, you, how do you determine what is a factory farm and what's not? Right? These large-scale, intensive... CAFO operations, where they're feeding them a lot of GM grain, which those same companies that developed that are the ones who are demonizing animal foods in general because those are the ones whose investors are also invested in all this stuff, right? Bill Gates, the biggest investor in Monsanto, or one of the biggest shareholders in Monsanto, owns like 500 million shares of Monsanto, which is now Bayer Monsanto. All right, so Bill Gates, philanthropist, <laughs> one of the biggest investors in Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods, Memphis Meats, all these fake meat companies, including the, the cell-based meat companies. He also makes huge money off of the consolidation of the slaughter facilities by these big grain corporations 
right? So they, they make so much money on this intensive feeding of GMO to everybody, animals, people. But this is a totally new system. And then these same people that brought the system in are going to demonize the animals when those animals don't need to be eating that grain, right? They don't need to be eating a bunch of GMO grains. So they say, oh, the, the, these animals are eating all, they're eating all this, uh, all the, most of the plants we grow are fed to animals. Well, that's true, but the, the, by the weight of the plant, there's far more biomass that's grown for something like corn or soy that's not edible for human beings. So that's what they feed to the animals, right? They extract the, soy, the oil from the soybean and the oil from the corn to make vegetable oils, which they say is green energy for fueling your car, right? And then they feed the, the cake, what's called soy cake, is what's left after you press the oil out of the soy. Then that stuff that's left over that you can't digest, that gets fed to animals, right? So there's so many lies that get put into this. They do these magical calculations and they try to calculate, do this like moral calculus on what is good for the planet, What's sustainable? And it just always happens to be that these people's bottom line, the companies that they're high, that they're invested in, the things that are going to bring them the most profit, those are always the things that are determined to be most sustainable in their stupid fake moral calculus. And that causes a real risk of bacterial infection that gets out of control and antibiotics don't work. So we need to do something to mitigate pandemic risk. 20% of all the global... Uh, again, the antibiotics that are given to animals, there is not a crossover between those antibiotics and the ones that are used in humans. So the antibiotics that are given to hospitals, this is not, or they're given to animals rather, this is not creating antibiotic resistant strains, MRSA and whatnot in hospitals. That's a lie. That's a total lie. So there are a lot of different types of antibiotics that are used in either people or animals. They're not used in both people and animals. <laughs> Emissions that cause the global warming that we are all worried about at the moment come from intensive farming of animals. So if you didn't intensively farm animals and you grew their beef in factories instead or their meats in factories instead, you wouldn't have that emission. One-fifth of emissions could be eliminated. Which is <laughs> The emissions? <laughs> if we just grow it in factories. Yeah, if you just have your factories that are owned by you and take away everybody's animals and you'll stop the emissions. I mean, it's, it's such a huge scam. The only way they can strong-arm this in is forcing it on people. The only way they can do this is by getting rid of rural people, hmm? by either economic warfare or economic warfare combined with other types of nonlinear warfare. Now, the only way they can do this is getting rid of rural people and pulling people off the land, getting them off of the land. Fantastic. 80 billion, 80 billion animals are killed every year for human consumption and 2 trillion fish. We can get to the point where that can be eliminated. And that's a, that's a motivating cause for me. Well, there are lots of good things about this new agrarian revolution, and it's happening right now. What does that mean for the existing industries? It's a very good question. So uh, in the case of farmers who produce meat, they're going to have to find something else to do. A bit like miners had to find something else to do from the 1950s to the 1990s. Or horse and cart drivers had to find something else to do when the, the motor car came along. <laughs> We're just going to crowd them all into cities, and they'll, they'll learn to code, yes? 
But progress always produces new and higher paid and better jobs. And mm. you know, farming um, is, a, is a back-breaking profession. It's a very precarious profession. And maybe uh, the new industries that result from what we're doing will be better for people in general. And so uh, there will be change, but change is always good. What oh. do you predict for That's the good. future of the global food industry then? My predictions are threefold. First of all, in the next 10 years, dairy products as we currently know them, which are cows being milked to produce milk, which then goes into cheese or yogurt or whatever, will be gone. There won't be any. That's, it's an industry that is in terminal decline. Uh, the second thing is... They, 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 these people, they say, this is happening so quickly. Right. I was talking about this a few years back, and you could, a lot of you guys probably watching now. We're like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. These people are just talking. No, these people are not just talking. They're in the middle of doing this now with, with economic warfare, with shutting down economies, with rolling shutdowns and calling certain sectors of the uh, world non-essential, and with the control of banking, with the control of the money supply, when you can infinitely print money and give it to who you want, and deprive others of the stimulus, right? shutting businesses down selectively. This is how it's being done. It's being done right now. And these people, they come with a smile, and say, oh, we just care about you. This is, this is not about these people loving the planet. This is about these people loving themselves. This is about these people being obsessed with power. And some of them might even be like true believers, like they actually think that they're helping something. This is how deluded some of these people actually are. Right? Like the vegan activists and whatnot, they're probably that deluded, most of them. <laughs> I, don't, I think this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Is in meat. Half of the world's meat will be plant-based, of the type that we're familiar with now, or cell-based agriculture, where the meat is produced in laboratories to very high specifications and is identical to the best in species. And then half of the world's fish in 10 years' time will come from the same type of production. And fish is something that is really relevant because if you eat a lot of fish, in the past it was good for you. Today the fish has uh, microplastics, toxins, lots of antibiotics because half of the fish that are produced are produced in fish farms. It's not good to eat fish more than twice a week. You talk there about antibiotics. <laughs> this guy telling us what's healthy to eat. Look at this guy. And going into the food groups. Which I mean, he, does have some, he does have some nice titties. <laughs> what needs to be done on a global level, I guess, slot. and governmental level to make sure that water. action is taken now? Well, I mean, antibiotics are one thing. Then you've got sugar, salt, all the bad things that create so much disease in the world. So they're telling you you can't eat meat, you can't have sugar, salt. <laughs> we're gonna take we're gonna take all that. You don't need meat, you don't need sugar, salt. <laughs> Come on. You know, there's an epidemic everyone knows of diabetes, and it's because of the amount of sugar that's going into food. Um, if I could put it this way, in 1980 in China, one percent of the population had diabetes. Today, have a guess at what percentage it is. Quadrupled probably I It's thirteen percent. So that it's gone up thirteen times. And it's entirely because of the the introduction of the Western diet and particularly um, of sugar. So food companies at the moment are selling, in many cases, junk to, to people. Is water one of our global resources that we're going to have to worry about moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, water is in all the wrong places. <laughs> it's in all the wrong places. It's on, People have access to water. We're going to have to get rid of that. <laughs> we have to, 
Water's it's in people's houses. My goodness, we've got to get rid of that. I don't know if you know, but the amount of water on the planet is, has been identical since the world started. It's a... It's been identical since the world started. So, so clearly, since the, the amount of water on the planet has been identical since the world started. <laughs> There's only so much water. There's only so much resources. Oh my goodness, we have to get rid of all these people who are using all these resources. As I sit in a multi-million dollar flat in Dubai. <laughs> this dude's probably, I mean, this guy, is, this guy lives a super decadent lifestyle. Dude, kicking it in Dubai while he's destroying his country with economic warfare. But you guys, you guys are using too much water. By the way, the hotel I'm staying at has a 200-foot deep swimming pool <laughs> here in Dubai. <laughs> we actually, we're actually, I, I, I'm floating as I sleep in a giant pool, in a giant reflecting pool in my, in my Dubai flat. Yes. So it's like Blade Runner 2049 when Jared Leto's like satanic character is uh listen I gotta pull up, I gotta find this clip. Because remember the scene in the new Blade Runner film, which is telling you exactly what's happening. Telling you exactly where this is going. Blade Runner, this is the smart city future. This is the smart city grid. So Jared Leto, the elite. The elite will have water. Look at this. He's in, his whole room is water. And it's just him in there. But when the, uh, when the slaves, the serfs, and the, uh, the replicants, right? They call, uh, they call oh, the replicants, the subhuman normal people, the non-elite, they, they have like limited shower. The shower turns on and off. They have a ration. And this guy is just living in a, in a giant pool. Help me. And very, very good things can come to you. You don't have children. Do you? Well, I have millions. <laughs> this is like psychotic, psychopathic, <sighs> psychopathic lead character uh, that Leto represents here. Fantastic. Character development there for Leto, just very demonic, crazy movie. All right, here we go. Here we got exactly the same amount of water. It's just a, distributed in the wrong way. One kilo of beef takes fifteen thousand liters of water to produce. I mean, that's a huge. To produce. Guess what? They're calculating rainfall that grows the pasture. You remove ruminant animals from grasslands, you are destroying entire ecosystems. Right, they sink so much carbon into the ground. There's a huge carbon sink that's created by ruminant agriculture, that's created by ruminant animals, by grazing animals. In North America, there were herds of, there are hundreds of millions, probably billions of, of bison, of buffalo, roaming the plains. They were systematically destroyed so that the railroads could be brought in, and they were systematically destroyed because they were a people's source of nutrition. But the Plains Indians lived exclusively off those buffalo. And they were destroyed, destroyed as a means of warfare and of creating the new industrial economy, which this is just an extension of that, but the next level of it, total control. So again, they, uh, when they say that, oh, you need this much water to create one pound of beef, that's water that falls from the air and that soaks into the grass to grow that grass that then they eat and then deposit more carbon 
and methanotropic bacteria that will actually eat and degrade and pull methane from the environment into the ground. But they say, no, methane is bad. They say, no, carbon is bad. Carbon, they, they, they fart. Oh my goodness. And, they're, and they're, they're, they're releasing carbon when they actually help store carbon in the soil. All right, so it's, it's completely backwards. Uh, amount of water wastage. So we have to do something about reducing water use. It's a very good point. And this stuff uses, you know, the cell agriculture, the plant-based foods use a tiny fraction of the water that's used in conventional farming. When we look to Europe, um, you know, we had Brexit happening and then the pandemic hit, you know, will we economically be able to bounce back? Yeah, well, the UK is back to the level it was pre-pandemic. I think the Europeans are slightly behind, but that's because their vaccination program was so far behind, but they'll get there. Uh, America's looks like it's completely booming at the moment. But a lot of that is because of the huge printing of money. And as you well know, you print a lot of money, you devalue the money, you get inflation. So we're, we're seeing the beginnings of inflation. It's a judgment call as to whether it was a good thing to print all that money. But I think now that we're coming out of the pandemic, they need to tighten the reins a bit because you can't have all this surplus money without inflation, which is very destructive, and particularly to poorer people, because it ruins the savings of the poorer people. Oh, what a surprise. It wipes them out, literally, inflation does. Because it's economic Jamal, warfare. thank you so much for talking to us on interview today. It's my pleasure, thank you. Oh, thank you. We know, it. it's, it's very much your pleasure. So plant-based news, of course, plant-based news on YouTube, owned by a Saudi prince, Saudi royal, who's invested in all this crap. PBN co-owner Khalid bin Walid, uh, bin al-Walid, to open animal-free sea life experiences in Saudi Arabia. So virtual reality sea life experiences. Oh, what a philanthropist. Prince Khalid invests in cell-based seafood company round, raising $20 million. So again, these people have lots of money that they're putting in this up. Now, it's dirt cheap to buy some idiots like Klaus over at Plant-Based News. It's dirt cheap to buy these little dorks. Right, Here, here's the guy that... If you're still eating here's, cheese, here's three selfish reasons you need to give it up. Number one, cancer. Cheese gives you cancer. That gives you cancer. <laughs> so these people are cheap, right? Actually buying up all the farmland, destroying people's ability to grow food, that's not so cheap, but mouthpieces like Klaus... In fact, it's the biggest source of... Gap-tooth mouthpieces diet. like Sadly, the effeminate Klaus are cheap. An onset of a number of chronic diseases. Right, so these people, dirty, dirty. Um, yeah. So this is this is the future these people want for you, and it's not just that. It's like the the mentality that comes with this, this like vegan activist mentality. This is destructive as well. Not only is the diet destructive to your health, right? Depri depriving you of vital nutrients, vitamin B twelve, which is required for the development of your brain and central nervous system, iodine. Also vital and crucial for the development of your brain and central nervous system. Right? Lower IQ is associated with these nutrient deficiencies that come with avoiding animal foods. What a surprise. But also low cholesterol, highly associated with risk-seeking behavior, violent crime, and depression, anxiety, and even suicide. Right? So it's like there are these physical effects and social effects to these diets as well. And it just happens to be that if your brain and your central nervous system are not properly developed as a child through the lack of nutrition from animal foods, you're going to be dumber. You'll also be more easy to control. So you can see why people like this would, would want to push this. Yeah, so here we go. We've got the, the vegan social outcast compilation. We've got vegan phobic here. 
This will actually this will lighten the load a little bit. This will be funny. Shout out to Vegan Phobic. Bevan over there, Vegan Phobic. He does a great job with these compilations. We're gonna see some of this. But yeah, actually, you know, first first we're gonna read some tips. Shout out to you guys on YouTube. I'm sorry, on uh, Rockfin, not YouTube. Where's the YouTube tippers? Y'all on YouTube, you guys don't even care. Y'all don't even care. Go over to Rockfin, guys. If people, if people actually support on Rockfin, you actually can get notified. Nobody gets notified on YouTube anymore. We're trying to move more people over there to Rockfin. Go over there, join over on Rockfin, pull up a tab on Rockfin, watch for free right now on Rockfin if you're watching live. Later on, this might be put, the second half rather, will probably be put to uh, members only, subscribers only. But you can follow on Rockfin for free. Half our content over there on Rockfin is totally free. And there's no censorship. And people, look at that. People actually support. Bill Skoogs, Scroggs, rather, tip 10 bucks on Rockfin. Says, still recommend Andrew Kaufman interview. We write that down for you. Try to get Andrew Kaufman on. Thank you very much, Bill Scroggs. Duly noted. I'll, I'll try to get in touch with Andrew Kaufman. I forget who he is, too. Um, he's, I think he's a doctor. ELC. What's up, ELC? ELC tip 20 bucks. Thank you, ELC. Says the new Seattle NHL team got paid by Bezos to name their stadium Climate Pledge Arena. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, who just blasted himself into space, which was only like 50 kilometers up. It's not even, these people aren't even... They say they're going into space. They're just going really high. <laughs> they're just getting real high. Uh, you got to be real high to believe these fools. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to burn how many thousands of gallons of rocket fuel to blast himself up in a giant penis into the uh, into just a few a few kilometers above the uh, above the highest mountains. And we're supposed to just applaud. Oh, climate change! Yeah, the climate pledge arena. You blast yourself into space. Kate tipped twenty bucks. Thank you, Kate. Says we always have a choice. It may be beyond difficult to stay the course, but with God on our side, nothing is insurmountable. Absolutely, we always have a choice, right? And we have we have the martyrs and the saints on our side. Right? If we have faith and we understand what's really at stake when we're being coerced into certain things, into, acceptance, into accepting certain, uh, certain lies, into accepting certain things into our bodies, we do have a choice. And that choice might come with difficulties and might come with suffering. Right? So yeah, we gotta, we gotta pray that the saints and the martyrs' prayers will... Uh, uh, can strengthen us and that our faith can be strengthened and our resolve can be strengthened because we might have really difficult times coming really soon, unfortunately. Uh, so anyways, uh, Adam Left Fence, tip two bucks. Says, keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thank you, dude. And then ELC and clipping 10 bucks again, or tipping 10 bucks again says, have you seen the clip of the guy saying we should genetically modify people to be allergic to meat? Yeah, we did a whole episode on that. Uh, I forget what it was called. <laughs> We've done so many streams, but yeah, we and we were talking about that guy a few years ago, right? But then he made another round. I think this was maybe two months ago. That was the last time we talked about him. That uh, is the Asian guy, Asian doctor. Is he called himself a doctor or just a scientist? He said we should breed people super small because they'll use less resources. Well, vegans have gotten that figured out too. So they'll you just make people vegan, and they'll naturally be smaller. She doesn't want to go on that journey with me right now. We have children together. We have a 10 and 12 year old and we just got divorced. And we came out here to this spot here in nature to do our releasing ceremony. And uh, I got more emotional than I thought. I got less emotional than I thought. 
That's so sad. <laughs> Sorry for that. That's so messed up. But I guess this is the, what is it? Vegan social outcast compilation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oops, wait, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Ah, I lost the... Did I close that? Where'd it go? I think I accidentally closed that. <laughs> ah. Okay, here we go. That was that was rich. Thank you <laughs> for that edit. Vegan phobic, vegan phobic's always got got some of the best edits. All right. She doesn't want to go on that journey with me right now. We have children together. We have a 10 and 12 year old and we just got divorced. And we came out here to this spot here in nature to do our releasing ceremony. And uh, I got more emotional than I thought. I got less emotional than I thought. I have been married for almost 21 years and I wasn't gonna let this be what I did my marriage. I'm not going to lie and sit here that it's easy. They just kind of breeze through it. And it's not like that at all. My marriage went through a very rocky period when I first transitioned into, no, when I first, actually when I settled into raw veganism. Like you become, once you become vegan, you know, you kind of get like bitter and angry. Like oh, it's very true. <laughs> what she noticed when, especially when dealing with vegans, in real life and online. Now, thankfully, everybody that we knew, we don't have, there's no more, we had. We live in a community where there was a period where a lot of people were trying to be vegan, right? We've seen everybody, everybody we know that was vegan, the hardest core of hardest core vegan, the most obnoxious of them all, they've all left because they always, they all realized, first of all, it's not healthy physically. Second of all, they eventually realized that they're a mess. They're a mess psychologically. Right, and this isn't just because of the uh, the culture of veganism. It's not just because of the all oh, these. We think we're superior. You think you're better than everyone because you're not eating meat. It's not just because of this weird psychology of it. It's also there's a physical nutritional aspect to the depression, to the the anger and the anxiety, which is why you see among people with low cholesterol higher rates of violent crime, right? higher rates of suicide and mental illness. There's a lot of vegan females that they eat carnists. That is gross. That's this. I don't know how you can. I can't like. Well, that's imagine, I think, um, would you guys date maybe, a girl that? Just imagine, yeah, like living with that person and, and, oh, and I, living I, with that I, person I, and bringing like a dead chicken like to your freezer. And, dead yeah. chicken. Oh. I have a friend who's <laughs> a little bit more straightforward, and it's worked for her. She's now converted two boyfriends to being vegan. I was asking her like. Yeah. Two boyfriends <laughs> at the same time as Jessica? No, no, no. She had one boyfriend, and then once she realized that she was done with him, once she had eaten him alive, once she had consumed his soul and all of his masculinity and emasculated him and turned him into a groveling little pussy, then she decided she no longer wanted him because she had already tamed him. So then she lost, got rid of that one. She discarded him and, and, and went on to the next one.
in her brain the other day. I know, I was like, tell me what you do. And then they had watched Earthlings. Uh, she said a couple days later, he was like eating meat and she looked at him and was like, do you have no soul? And I kind of respect her a lot for that because she kind of didn't care if that meant that they were gonna get in an argument or even that they could potentially break up because she was so passionate about it. I'm all for it, I, I reckon dating. I'm definitely dating because you know, if you don't on vegan, they're getting exposed to veganism. That's all a lot of people need to want to go vegan. I, I would have to say though that after a while, if they hadn't gone vegan, I would probably struggle with that. You know, I would struggle with it each time I notice they're making a non-vegan choice. Like, you know, if they order a steak or something, everyone deserves that chance to meet a vegan, to make a connection. I would love, yeah, I would... Yeah be happy to be that person for someone. It's like philanthropy, like dating a vegan. You know? It's like, like you're spreading a vegan to some over the place, you know? It's like, date them. Date, date non-vegans. Like, just bless them with your vegan presence. <laughs> these, these people, they don't, they don't realize how insufferable they are to people around them too is what's sad. You know, they don't realize, like we knew this woman, uh, we know her now, she's not vegan. She's awesome. But she, she kind of messed up her kid for a little while um, by, you know, people would eat meat around them or, like, someone would get into a car with them and they've got, like, some chicken or something. And she'd freak out. No, no, no. Look. Look away. That's bad food. That's bad food. She'd literally, like, freak out and have, like, <gasps> a panic attack in front of her kid just because somebody's eating meat in front of them. Like, look away. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. And the child, when they realize we can't be vegan anymore, our child's teeth are getting messed up. We need to, our child needs nutritional support and we need to change our diet. You know, so they left veganism for various reasons. Then they had a hard time actually convincing their child to eat the foods that he needed to recover his health and to live, you know, a full healthy life. Now, thank God he's great now. But like, they had a while where they couldn't get him to eat a lot of foods. I think it's still really difficult for them, right? So these, they, these people, they don't realize what they're doing to their friends, families, uh, children even. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad. At least, at least these people probably have no children or families. Um, very few friends as well <laughs> so so um yeah not so bad it's yeah. so hard that because honestly you lose friends yeah because all of a sudden you are awakened to this thing no, and you think you're superior you're not awakened to anything you're delusional you're in a state of spiritual delusion you're you're in a state of prelest where you think you've found some spiritual secret and you need to spread it to the world you're in a you're you're being deceived <laughs> you're insufferable to other people. You are. You think arrogant. that your friends will be on board. Yes. So you want to show it. To you're judgmental and arrogant is what happens to them. And then instead of them being with you, they make fun of you. Well, so like at least for me, whenever I go on a date, I make it very clear. Like if I if I ask a girl out, I do make it very clear that if she is not vegan and she wants to eat meat or animal products, she's allowed to do it. I will, I refuse to so pay. So nice of you? Yes. So I say, <laughs> if she wants to have I did the same thing. Yeah. Were those really your friends? No. He's not paying. He's not paying for that murder. Yeah. Put his foot down. Oh, and I'm happy they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> she cut them all out. Yeah. Oh, you want to keep eating dead bodies? I have to go. And he just recently said something really stupid that pissed me off. He made a video titled, What I Think When My Friends Go X Vegan. 
Well, uh, that's your first mistake there, Brian. If uh, they're ex-vegans, they're not really your friends anymore. At least they shouldn't be. <laughs> like, I've had to delete so many Facebook friends because these people are holding up their dead deers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh. So feisty. I was so angry. I was just so negative towards everyone that was not vegan. I could not accept the world the way it was. I was just attacking my family. So it, it's great to see what, what they come out of it and people actually <laughs> they, they talk about this because they, they all look 2020, hindsight is 2020 rather, right? And they realize what they're doing. It's hard, to, it's hard for them to see it when they're in this, but you know, the, uh, the, the vegan mind state is super destructive. I'm glad he. I'm glad he put I this one in here. I was shouting at them, asking them why they can be so brutal. At the time, I was just trying to like be myself, but also express my new knowledge and my values to my friends without losing them. The animals really don't care about your relationships, your friendships, and your whatever. They just want the cruelty to stop, the suffering to end. So you need to be a voice. You always need to speak up. Um, if you start saying the same dumb things and stupid questions, I'll cut you off. Sitting at the same table with people eating animal bodies has made me so uncomfortable that I just can't put myself in that Dude. situation. She bl look at she blends in with the white background. Yeah, there's gotta be a filter. This is one. She's a. Uh, she's one of the the engineers from Prometheus. <laughs> the long lost female engineers from Prometheus. Chick, you look like your mom's a beluga. You look like your mom is a starving beluga whale. Um, this is so sad. She blends in with the background. I used to lash out on people. I used to be so angry with my family and friends. And they Look could how happy she is to not be like that anymore. <laughs> right? Like you see, when, when people leave this, they actually get nourished properly. They, get, they feel so much better. It's crazy. You could just see. Like, look at the... None of the vegans that you see talking will look like genuinely as clear-eyed and content as this ex-vegan does right here. Tell you about it. <laughs> and how to deal with the issue of eating together with people who are not my vegan. Goodness. Uh, oh my goodness, look at Ed. Earthly the Ed. messages that I receive from people that I always find quite hard to respond to is uh, teenagers who live at home and they say, you know, I, I want to go vegan. I've connected with the ethics of veganism, um, but my family won't let me. Family. Or I get a message from people saying, I've gone vegan, but it's really difficult for me when I go out and I socialize with my friends because none of them are vegan. And they mock my veganism and they kind of make me feel very uncomfortable. His family often invite me to have dinner with them. But over time, the more involved I became in animal rights activism, the more unacceptable I found it. And I just found This is like a manifesto video. <laughs> Why do these vegan videos seem like manifestos before someone does something awful? The ex-vegan videos are just like, ah, I can't believe I was in that. This is a good compilation. Shout out to Vegan Phobic. To be sitting at the same table with people eating animals and act like it was normal and acceptable, I would simply... Which again, that's 95% of the world that eats animals. ...decline their invitations for me to eat with them. Okay, so of course we are going to be uh, eating differently from, you know, family and friends who are eating that way. That's natural. You have to be strong, Okay. <laughs> So that, that's just a normal thing that will come up. You won't be fitting in and celebrate it. Seriously, you don't want to fit in with unhealthy sick people. I think something that a lot of new vegans struggle with sometimes is, is non-vegan friends or family, which we spoke a little bit about. So basically my stepdad had packed her a ham sandwich 
And basically, <laughs> she said to me, oh, your stepdad said that I should get it out and eat it in front of you. And I thought, you know, that really... Oh, this, is, this is really funny. Berkeley <laughs> going, I hate my stepdad. My stepdad said she'd eat a ham sandwich in front of me. <laughs> the obligatory, I hate you, dad, and I hate my stepdad moment. And understandably so. This is a family member who, you know, family. I spent the majority of my life with, saying to my mum that she should get out a ham sandwich and eat it for me because it's just disrespectful and insulting. No. You know, and, and you know, eating an animal product purposefully in front of them. That's, those are normal foods. Yeah. Guess who's disrespectful and insulting? You, Gelflinghead. You, Earthlinghead. Again, you blend in with your white gray wall. You're Earthling Ed. Your mother and stepfather, they care about you. They don't want you to be mentally ill and physically sick and gaunt. They don't want that. Not just mocking them. That is a very aggressive act. That was aggressive. That was a hate act. That was a, was a, hateful, a hateful act. It was a hate crime. Eating a murdered animal in front of me. You mock my views and my values. Mock. And that's a really hard thing to process. And I think it kind of summarizes quite perfectly why I just can't. Dude, look how small. Like, from the length from his, like the length of his shoulder is like half the width of his head. <laughs> the dude's shoulder is like here. His shoulder's end. This poor guy. There's people like this who make their whole like again Earthling. Yeah, this is a this is a prominent activist here. This guy breaks into family farms, calls them all. They're all factory farms, right? Every farm to a vegan is a factory. Oh, we break into the factory farm. We're gonna stop the Holocaust of the animals. This dude, like, it's hard to have sympathy for some of these people when you see how they terrorize farmers. And this is one of these people that does that regularly, right? Stealing property, destroying people's property terrorizing family farms. This is what these people do for a living. Right? But it's almost impossible for these people to see out of it because not only has he been enwrapped in this ideology, he's constantly doing the mantras, oh, the dead animals, the animal holocaust, the animal holocaust. But he, his, his income, his whole life is based on this. Right? It's this, this identity, his, uh, his celebrity identity is based on this. So it's hard for them ever to get out of it. Imagine if I did go home, imagine if I was in his house, surrounded by his animal products, and surrounded by a man who has the mindset that he should be able to mock my veganism. How would I possibly be able to cope with that? How and the people that you love are not vegan, it's okay to feel angry about it. So just allow these emotions to come and go whenever you feel like they are coming. <laughs> Aiming a lot of the resentment and anger I felt at seeing all those animals before they were being killed. I, I aimed a lot of that at the non-vegans in my life. I felt very... A British or Australian accent is kind of a prerequisite to being a real vegan activist too. Another thing. I just felt like I hated them. And that was my way of dealing with the trauma. I see the horrible things that are that's happening to animals and it's really, really frustrating. And, and you become very angry uh, coping with non-vegan friends when you're a vegan. And I think with families, it's a little worse. 
this is an emotion that will be your companion as a vegan in a non-vegan world. So you might as well get used to it. Before that happens, I know it's painful to sit at a non-vegan table with non-vegans. You could ask your family if you could have a separate shelf in your cupboard and in your fridge. And anytime you open it, just have tunnel vision. <laughs> just focus on your shelf. Don't look at anything else because it's going to upset you. Wondering how to deal and cope with non-vegan friends and family members eating meat, especially like seeing them eat meat. But Good gross painting you're drawing behind her. You should Let's protect go. your feelings. So if sitting at a non-vegan table is not something you can get on board with, you don't have to do that. I still do not sit and eat with anyone while they consume animal products. I still do not sit and eat with my dad ever because he won't eat the same food as me. And it's so hard not to just like lash out and just scream and argue and cry and yell and become angry and let all those emotions out into feelings that are expressed in a really negative way because that's how it makes me feel at least and I know a lot of people can relate. Another thing is that it's okay to be sad too. And as a vegan, you know that it's so horrible to know the things that you know and still live in the world you see like the difference in vibe between this shot and the shot he put in there earlier where she's talking about how much better she feels <laughs> not being vegan. Isn't that funny? Like look at just like the 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 oppressed vibe, you know, the um, you know, just very upset, unhappy, frustrated. How how different she is when she when she's done it's with so it. So cruel to the animals, especially because the holiday season is coming up, and a lot of people put like a giant dead bird in the middle of the table. <laughs> you can't possibly bring yourself to be at the same table as <sighs> non-vegans. Personally, we don't attend occasions like uh, Christmas or uh, Easter or anything that we know is going to be around animal foods. We so you never see your families. Not to be part of that violence, to be a witness to it. I don't love eating dinner at the table with my family with them cutting into um, dead animals. So, I mean, I think the first few Thanksgivings we had, honestly, were pretty bad with my family. There were a lot of tears in the kitchen and a lot of confusion and a lot of just feelings that were just not being understood by either side of yeah, the... So I mean, this is a huge thing, too, was the, the disconnection from their families. I mean, it's a cult. I mean, it's, it's created a cult. Their whole identity, their whole—they—they uh, they believe this is like some spiritual endeavor, right? That they've—they've they've been enlightened and they're above everybody else because they, you know, they figured out this thing about if you just don't eat meat, you're not—you're—you're you're gonna be healthier, but also you're gonna be morally superior, ethically superior. Um, yeah, you know, the, the isolation from family, the feeling of superiority, and it's just like frustration with the world that permeates it, All right? And this. This very small portion of the population that even is able to remain vegan more than a few weeks, these are the people who are evangelizing at like the fake grassroots level on behalf of multinational corporations that are telling you, you know, plant-based fake meat is the future, right? You got the Good Food Conference 2021, the science of cultivated meat, right? Talking about, oh, this is so good. This is so, uh, it's so great. But guess what? To actually make this cultivated meat that they advertise on like plant-based news, like a vegan activist channel, you actually need to start with cell types from the animals. 
So you need like bovine serum. They have to take like blood from cows to actually grow the meat in. They, they take the serum and they extract these proteins from the serum. And then they put the cells in this culture and they like ferment it, this precision fermentation vats in this very specifically controlled environment inside of a laboratory. Right, but now you're being told, well, this is what's going to keep you safe, right? If you don't do it this way, if you don't eat these types of foods, then uh, then you're going to get like diseases, and you're going to get the you're going to get the cow flu or the bird flu. Uh, look, no kill lab grown meat to go on sale for first time. This is in Singapore uh, last year. All right, so I'm talking about they use bioreactors. <laughs> you don't need to slaughter the animals. It's good. It's nice for animals. It's so good for them. And they talk about how they actually need the serum. Let me see. Yeah, there you go. The growth medium for the Singapore production line includes fetal bovine serum, which is also required for those things they want to inject in all these vegans, and none of them are talking about how they don't want to take it, uh, which is extracted from fetal blood. But this is largely removed before consumption. A plant-based serum would be used in the next production line, the company said, but was not available when the Singapore approval process began two years ago. So again, they, they, they make this in a, in a little bloodbath. Fetal bovine serum, fetus blood, to grow these fake chickens and fake, uh, fake chickens. not even chicken, right? It's just one type of cell that they culture. So to get the fake chicken protein and the fake beef protein, they, they don't even, uh, they, they bathe it in the bovine fetal serum. And they don't even remove all of that when you eat it. So, right, so if you're a Christian, if you're coming from a Christian perspective, where you're not eating blood, you don't eat blood, the blood that's in the veins that leaves the animal, the life is in the blood. You eat the meat, there's not blood in a steak, right? There's the juices, the myoglobin, these different proteins in there, but the blood is in the veins. So if you're a Christian, you can't be eating this stuff, this cell culture meat. It's bathed in blood, right? This is, this is insane. No, but no, this is good for the environment. This is so good. It's so good. I mean, it's, and it's not even vegan. They have to have the, the cow, the bovine serum to even grow this stuff. Right? So on so many levels, this is, this is just complete insanity. This is complete madness. But look, we've also got... Where'd that go? Everybody's favorite... Everyone's favorite philanthropists are also involved in this, of course, right? <clears throat> Where is that? There we go. Let me pull this up so you guys can see it. Let's go for a second. All right, here we go. There it is. Impossible Foods Chicken Nuggets could be its ticket to world domination. <laughs> oh yeah, we know. We know. Now, other people think that's a joke, but this is really what it's about. Right? It's about domination. Right? UK food supply chains on the edge of failing meat industry warrants. So supply chains under attack. We'll talk about this later. Uh, we can't get too deep into this one. Meat, can, meat prices rising because of the, because of the, the panda the pandemic, <laughs> um, and of course, everybody's favorite philanthropists at the Rockefeller Foundation have been heavily involved in the bringing out of cell-based foods, plant-based meats, 
course, the Rockefeller Foundation bankrolled the rollout of the GMO revolution and the so-called Green Revolution that gave you all this industrial kibble, right? That replaces animal foods with industrial plant-based kibble. The Rockefeller Foundation, who years ago stated in the Rockefeller uh, Population Report that they would move you to, there we go, here it is. The infamous Rockefeller Population Council report. Talking about moving you from eating food off of your own land to food from factories. The larger population could avoid the price rise by shifting away from consumption of animal livestock towards vegetables and synthetic meats. Now this is in 1971 this was published. I think 1971. Perhaps it would shift to a closed system of agriculture, food from factories. One way or another, a solution can be found. The problem for a growing population is to survey the possible solutions and select the ones it dislikes least. So it talks about increasing the price of agricultural land, increasing the price of food, and forcing you to eat synthetic meats and food from factories. Now, that's years ago. And of course, what do you know? The Rockefeller Foundation is still pushing for this stuff. So the Rockefeller Foundation... Uh, announces 10 finalists for the Food System Vision Prize. Oh, they just want to help you so much. They just care so much. All right, so giving prizes. And of course, this is uh, like angel investing the Rockefeller Foundation does. Uh, finalists for Rockefeller Foundation Food System Prize revealed. Guess who wins? All right, seven-gen food system led by the Sikhengu Lakota people. This vision of the Rosebud Indian Reservation of South Dakota outlines a regenerative agriculture system that creates economic opportunities for tribal members. Well, that's a surprise that they actually will allow some sort of holistic land management in here. But of course, most of this is towards new food systems, people eating waste, eating food waste, eating plant-based kibble. Right, comfort and food waste. Food tank, an aggregator for trends in the food industry that lean towards sustainability has organized a number of conferences. Rockefeller Foundation, of course, promoting the eating of food waste. It's all this food that gets wasted. We know a lot of food gets wasted. Right? Of course we should be using that food waste, but you could feed that food waste to your animals. Right? This is why pigs are so good. Chickens. Right? They eat the waste. They eat the bones. The pigs will eat the bones. The chickens will pick those bones clean. They eat what we can't eat. And so the Rockefeller Foundation looking at ways of getting plant-based, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, of course, using the same stupid moral calculus, talking about feeding people vegetable protein. Vegetable protein. Instead of feeding it to animals, let's feed it directly to the people. Of course, you have to process it through factories, and it's never going to be at the same level of nutrition as you're going to get from real animal-derived foods. All right, so protein quality. At least they admit that protein quality is important. Now, these people are going to tell you that clean meat will be the future, right? We need to feed all these rural populations who can produce their own meat cultured lab-grown animal cells. Could allow meat, milk, eggs, and leather to be grown without animals, drastically shrinking their environmental footprint. Remember, when they talk about shrinking the carbon footprint, they mean shrinking the human population. Just like Sadhguru said in that video. He told this to the World Economic Forum as well. 
If you want to reduce the carbon footprint, you have to reduce the number of feet. And all the people just clap. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is what it's really about. Okay, so it's about controlling the food supply. It's not about saving lives. It's not about saving the animals. Ultimately, these people want to get rid of your ability to have animals. Right? Because, oh, it's bad. They're going to give you diseases. You're spreading diseases by having these animals. Also, you're, you're, you're making the climate change, right? You're making, it, you're making the climate change. You're making it hot. You're making it cold. All the tornadoes, all the hurricanes, it's all your fault. That's all your fault. We've got to get rid of your animals. I mean, it's stupid, but if you gaslight people enough, if you repeat these tropes enough, people actually will believe it. People will believe this stuff. And so that's what they're moving towards. The Rockefeller Foundation. They leverage these useful idiots, like our vegan activist friends. They leverage these people. I'm not going to go back to back to the vegan social outcast compilation. We'll finish this one and then we're going to transfer over to Rockfin. Second half on Rockfin, we're going to talk about what else the Rockefeller Foundation is getting involved in as far as uh, bringing us, you know, they, they want to cleanse the environment of rural people and their ability to have animals. They want to cleanse the world of the farm animals for the greater good, of course. They also want to help cleanse the internet of misinformation. So we're going to talk about that. You have the, you have the state working with the Rockefeller Foundation which, of course, the Rockefeller Foundation has always pushed for these public-private partnerships. The state working with private corporations, with philanthropy groups like the Rockefeller Foundation, these NGOs, to silence dissent online. That's what we're getting into next. But yeah, we'll finish up with some, with some funny stuff with, these, uh, with our vegan friends. Where'd it go? There it is. Normalize therapy. Therapy is amazing. If that's happening, then those people are dragging you down. Create some distance. You don't have to go along to all of those occasions. You don't have to be so um, immersed in those friendships or those whatever. I Just think... create a bit of distance, yeah. you know, a, a healthy boundary. <laughs> a healthy boundary from any non-vegans. Look at this. We got, we, got a, uh, we got some support from the bigots on YouTube, symbolic memes. Donated five bucks, said plant-based diet is a psyop. It should be called plant cringe diet. That's true. Calling it plant-based is kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, Erica donated five bucks. Thank you, Erica. Thank you also, Symbolic Memes. I appreciate that. You guys, you're the ones who keep these streams going. It's your support. Erica, supporting with that five bucks. Thank you, Erica, and thank you, Symbolic Memes. Erica says thank you for all you do. Appreciate that, guys. We appreciate that. Um... Hey, do you guys want our support? Right? We're here to support you as well. You can become a member at PrimalEdgeHealth.com slash membership. Become a member over there on our website, PrimalEdgeHealth.com. If you become a member, you can get in on our weekly coaching calls. Our coaching calls going down each week. And you can get in on those. We can help you dial in your diet and your lifestyle. So there you go. Become a member. There's a link in the description. Thank you guys for supporting. Thank you guys on Rockfin. We, let me check if we got any new tips on Rockfin. All the bigots on Rockfin, thank you guys for your support. If you're watching on YouTube now, we've got about five minutes left on YouTube. We're going to cut the stream over here on YouTube. We're going to go over there to Rockfin exclusively, talking about some things that you can't talk about on YouTube. Talking about Rockefeller Foundation and mass censorship that is happening. The state 
talk about regulating your, your private messages, your DMs, your text messages on your cell phone, right? and talking about those, uh, the passports that they're trying to roll out as well. Because right, this goes beyond, this goes far beyond just food. It goes far beyond just food. These people want to control every aspect of your life, every aspect of your biology. It's madness. Back to your friends and say like, hey guys, now I only make smoothies with one banana. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think they've like written me off as like a crazy vegan lady. I'm not fine. That's 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 who I am to them. That's yeah. something that's always confused me because my family aren't vegan. Um, my friends, I kind of are all vegan now. Um, but Back in the <laughs> isolated yourself from anybody that's not vegan. This is so sad. Day. Back in the day when I first became vegan and I would meet a vegan, I'd be so excited and I would like high five that person and be like, "Yeah, you don't use animals." Whereas now, it's not like I don't feel happy when I meet another vegan, but I meet another vegan and I kind of go, hmm, and what kind of vegan are you? If you can ever what go back to eating animals, Ew. you were never Ew. vegan. No. That, 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 <laughs> the hype themselves into it, right? Ew, 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 all the mantras. You were never vegan. If they really, truly care about you and love you, they will want to support your ethical lifestyle choice. They won't want to critique it or mock it. Your family members <laughs> and your friends are going to be the toughest to crack. For some reason, it's more difficult to have an honest conversation with your family about these things than it is to have it with a friend or even a total stranger. You can have a more open conversation. And for some reason, I don't know what the psychology is behind this, but friends and family are less likely to listen to you. And that's just what I've found from my own experience and a lot of other people have found the same thing. The last people that you're going to convert is your family and friends, especially family. Family members and friends are the toughest people to talk to and convert anyway, so I would not waste too much time on them. Our situation <laughs> just leave them. 99% of our families don't actually care. They don't ask us any questions. We'd love them to have conversations with us, but they... they by and large, apathetic. Yeah, they, they really just... Don't want to have the conversation. My family still are vegan, and I, you know, I bought I bought my my mum, my stepdad, Fox overnight nearly two years ago to watch to, to kind of she, give them a bit he more. He bought food. them a vegan documentary. They still haven't become vegan. <laughs> they must just not love you, right? This is sad. They're miserable too. They're miserable as people make themselves. And I thought the health would be a really good way of kind of making it seem accessible to them and not seem too daunting. No, but they see how unhealthy you are, dude. This is the thing. They see that you're unhealthy. This is the problem with you trying to convince your family and friends that, oh, you should do this because of your, of your health. They see the results of it. And it's obvious to everybody, less the people, except the people that are in it. That's what's so sad. Nearly two years later, they've still not watched it. And I can't quite get my head around why they haven't in two years been able to put aside 90 minutes just to try and understand my point of view. And it just seems so strange to me that, you know, these people who I lived with for 18 years wouldn't be interested in understanding why I've made such a fundamental change in my life. The best way to educate anyone in any situation, especially friends and family, is to ask them leading questions. One useful uh, tip that we learned that we employ a lot, actually, in our conversations with family, uh -oh. friends and strangers <laughs> is the, um, you basically say, you know, I agree with you. Um, I know where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Faking empathy. <laughs> Fake like you're really listening. And 
I used to think the same thing until, until I became superior to you. <laughs> until I learned that, blah, blah, blah. And if you're feeling so upset that... It's funny that they say this like this is like the magic bullet, but they also say like it's impossible to convert your friends and family to veganism. <laughs> and they get so excited to talk about... They get so excited to talk about the methods that don't work <laughs> for them to convert their friends and family. Same thing until I learned that, blah, blah, blah. And if you're feeling so upset <laughs> that you really can't be in this house for many reasons find some support groups either on facebook on instagram here on youtube remember you are not alone and you have a huge community who is willing to support you and will help you as much as they possibly can and you are on not alone trust me i have been dealing with this and i've dealt with this for the entire time that i've been vegan i've been I'm vegan meetups you know, follow people on social media that, you know, help lift you up in your community. See, vegan meetups. You know you don't meet any people in your real life that are vegan. You know, it's all... What is that thing on her head? Community, because it can be very, very lonely. It can feel very it's lonely. Like, I felt so alone. Like, yeah. It can be lonely yeah. if you don't have anyone else around you who kind of, like, follows the same, like, like ethical rules that you do or, or does it for the same reason oh, that you do. Oh, it's so isolating. It can't if you're hanging out with <laughs> other vegans as well, you're not going to feel so isolated and alone. If you're I was living in the area that I grew up in and I felt quite isolated there. I didn't really have many like-minded people, friends around me. Okay. I ate Ben and Jerry's last night at 3 o'clock in the morning with my cat. We sat at the freezer and we ate ice cream together. He had catnip treats and I ate the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So what are you talking about? I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> All right, guys. If you're watching on YouTube, pull up, pull up the, uh, pull up a tab on Rockfin. There you go. The second half is going to be Rockfin exclusive. Where my mods at? I'll drop the link in there. I don't know if any of my mods are here. Here you go. Rockfin exclusive. Second half. We're going to talk about what else the Rockefeller Foundation is getting its dirty little hands in. I'm going to talk about some of the censorship that not only has been happening the last year, but is coming down the line. And uh, we're going to talk about some more of this stuff. So jump over there to Rockfin. I'll see you guys over there. We're going to do the last part, last hour there at Rockfin exclusively. If you're watching live, it'll be up for free on Rockfin. If you're watching later on, it might be as part of the uh, subscribers only. But you can follow for free and access all the free stuff on Rockfin for free. All you need is an email. Right, and you need to use your real email. No secret. Uh, but yeah, Rockfin is awesome. We can say what we want over here. But guys, get off of YouTube where our videos get hidden in the algorithm. Jump over there to Rockfin. Make sure to share these, like these. Thank you guys for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, get over there to Rockfin to watch the rest of this. We're going deep. We're going hard. Zero censorship. So pull up a tab. We'll see you there. Bye bye YouTube. I'll take a quick break, guys. I'll be right back for you who are watching on Rockfin. See you in a minute.